Well, when I start to be an architect by myself and I start to design my own house, I decide anyway to be simple and to use some small touches of antique pieces and that's it. But mm, because I'm not a collector, I tell you, you know, I'm, I don't like to live inside in, uh, in a museum. doesn't matter if, if it's a modernist museum or antique pieces museum. I like to live in, uh, in a contemporary house with this level of simplicity. But don't forget the simplicity is, uh, is a public face of complexity. Hi, I'm Dan Rubenstein, and this is The Grand Tourist. I've been a journalist for nearly 20 years, most recently as the Home and Design Director at Departures Magazine. And this is my personalized guided tour through the worlds of fashion, art, architecture, food, and travel, all the elements of a well-lived life. How do you define contemporary Italian design today? How do you put into words the perfect synthesis of craftsmanship, technology, bravado, and a kind of unassuming, low-profile look that seems to be so obvious today? It can be difficult, but you'd be hard-pressed to come up with an answer that doesn't include our guest today. Piero Lissoni. The Milan-based architect has put his stamp on nearly every corner of the design world, from kitchens and sofas to watches and even tissue box holders. His firm, Lissoni & Partners, has offices around the world, and Piero himself is the creative director of a litany of top-shelf brands, including, full disclosure, our sponsor, B&B Italia, starting last year. I like to think of Piero as a senior statesman for Italian design as a whole. When you talk to Piero, you're always learning something. With someone who has so much influence over an entire industry, he's refreshingly honest, blunt, and courageous about how he speaks about his work and his day-to-day. For that reason alone, it's always a masterclass in design when you interview him, as I have many times over the years. For Piero, he's not only a product designer, he guards his identity as an architect very well. His hotels, corporate headquarters, office buildings, and other projects can be found from Jerusalem to New York to Beijing. Oh, and his firm does graphic design too. Like many of his generation, Piero Lissoni studied under some of the best post-war masters of design in Milan in the 1970s, which we'll speak about, and founded his studio in the mid-80s. You're not going to learn what a chair should look like from Piero Lissoni or how to decorate. Instead, you're going to learn how his brain works and, in turn, how all of design should work today, too. I spoke with the softly outspoken maestro from his headquarters in Milan. What I had to tell you, I decided when I was so young to become an architect. I don't know the reason why. You know, I start to do something by my hands, small models, draw drawings and sketches. But of course, very, very basic and very mm-hmm. um, simple. But I grew up before in Milano and uh, before the primary school, um, I moved out of Milano because my family, they decided to, to live outside of Milano. And uh, it was, a, for me, a, a great adventure because, uh, you know, I was outside in our house, family house, from my grand, 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 somebody else. And, uh, you know, when you grow in, in one situation like this, it's uh, it's a completely different approach of life. Where was this house? It's um, outside of Milano in Brianza. It's uh, in the northern part of Brianza. It's uh, in between two small towns, two small villages, because town, I think, it's a, is a big hmm. word. Uh, two villages. One is named Albiate, and the second one is named Triugio. So 
Piero, as a student at the Polytechnico in Milan in the 1970s, what was that like? What was the city like? You know, it was like an adventure in a jungle. The town Milano, it was not so um, open like now. It was a bit more gray. It was not so sophisticated like now. And it was not international. But at the same time, it was for me... Uh, like Disneyland, you know, can you imagine mm-hmm. the, the our life, like a student life? It was, uh, yeah, I remember like a Disneyland for many reasons. And don't forget the our uh, uh, university, the Polytechnico, it was divided in two different sides. One architectural side and the second one, like the dark side of the moon. It was full <laughs> of engineers. But the our side, it was uh, beautiful, full, full of life, full of light and full of beautiful people. And so at, at university, you studied with people like, you know, Marco Zanuso and, and Achille Castiglione and, and these masters of the era. What did, you, what did you learn from them? Now looking back, what, what did these masters, mm-hmm. uh, other than, you know, technical things, what did they instill in you or what did they, what, what values did they teach you as a young, as a young architect? Listen, <clears throat> I was student in, in the same moment with uh, some incredible teacher. Castiglione, it was one. Uh, Marco Zanusi, it was another one. Aldo Rossi, it was a, mm, a temporary professor in, uh, in Polytechnic only for a few months. Uh, Alvaro Cisaveira, it was one of my teacher. You know, I learned something totally incredible, and it was the human touch. The human touch, the curiosity, the culture. Because in the end, if you took away the technical aspect and you forgot for one moment that this kind of technical teaching uh, atmosphere, the real touch it was the culture. You know, with them, we discuss about of movies, we discuss about of uh, photography, we discuss about of new materials. We discuss about of food, and we discuss about you know the qualities of life in uh, in Milan or somewhere else. Well, the great opportunity to be in touch with that people it was the level of curiosity and in the same time uh, the parallel uh, methodological point of teaching, because teaching something so precise like uh, you know design or proportion or something like this it's absolutely normal to think about but they teach us to be curious curious and curiosity it was the our um, focal point in the same time we learn with them and they teach us to be different and to think in a different way who is the most beautiful person uh, at the Polytechnico from a <laughs> beautiful on the inside? Who is, who do you remember as being a, a beautiful person that you, you interacted with? Listen, after one week I was completely lost inside in a different areas and classes and buildings. And, you know, I didn't understood what it was possible to do or not. I was really lost like lost in translation. Hmm. And, um, and one day I saw this unbelievable, incredible, and believe uh, is not, you know, is not like a dream after 30 years, but it was this beautiful girl, and I follow her, you know. I saw this this girl inside in uh, in, the, in this small bar in in the middle of the Polytechnico, and uh, I decided, okay, I need to 
to talk with this girl because she was so beautiful. Blue eyes, blonde shirt. Anyway, and I discovered she was <clears throat> in uh, again student for the first year, like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she started to follow the old scientific studies, mathematical, physics, and, and the other things. And I start to, to become a good student only because I follow her. And she was <laughs> very, very good because she understood, you know, I was lost like her, but she was more precise than me. So, so you, she, she inspired you. Absolutely. She because she was strategically speaking, she was so precise and I was totally completely unprecise, you know, anarchist, like always. Before we return to our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor. You guessed it. B&B Italia, a leader in luxury designer furniture. Founded in 1966, the company stands out for its representation of contemporary culture and for its research and innovation, which has allowed the brand to create products with unique style and elegance. As Piero explains, the brand is the fruitful partnership between the company's research and development center in Northern Italy and the best international design professionals. The iconic products of B&B Italia radically mark the history of design. The brand has so many legendary pieces, and there's one to fit every personality. If I had to suggest an icon of B&B Italia to Piero Lissoni, I wouldn't dare. But if I were forced, I know he would appreciate one of its most important and popular pieces today, the Camaleonda Sofa by Mario Bellini. The classic 1970s design has recently been revamped with new materials and is hotter than ever, Its modular design can transform it from a chaise into a massive daybed for 12. Bellini's system of hooks and rings means the elements can be rearranged at will. Oh, and it's just super groovy too, and can be covered in any of the brand's textile or leather collections, making it a powerful addition to just about any interior. Speaking of icons, and speaking of groovy, which one is right for your personality? Visit bebitalia.com for more information. Piero, today you run a large firm with your fingers in so many pots with offices all over the world. But what was your studio like in the early days when you first got started? Listen, when I started with uh, the first office, it was uh, with two different topics inside. First, it was the, my, my kitchen table. And uh, on my kitchen table, every day <laughs> I dismantled and mantled this. And, and I did, you know, this special a parallelogram in, in during the evening I dismantle everything to become again to be a kitchen table and the second one the second most important topics it was uh, the special electronic for that time uh, secretaries you know with fax with a fax inside it was for me like a, yeah impressive for for this in, for this incredible level of technologies well two topics the kitchen table with a parallelogram and the fax <laughs> so that was it. You had a, you had a, a drafting table essentially and a fax machine. Yeah, but the drafting table it was uh, it was a kitchen table. <laughs> I like to be precise in that, you know, because sometimes a lot of people they forgot uh, the simple detail when when you start. In in which way you know I'm start with the first step and and now and and today uh, today can you describe to the people listening? your business as you describe it today you know how many people do you have to to show the change because today you have how many people do you have working for you now listen um, now we are in milano nearby 80 
89, 80. 81. I'm not completely mm -hmm. sure for the number. Sure. <clears throat> and in New York, we are again in another 15 people and some other um, temporary or uh, not official architect from the studio. They work all around the world. I don't know, China or uh, Japan or uh, Russia, you know, because we, we move there um, and we build there some small offices for follow the all different construction site and uh, and the all different projects anyway officially we are nearby 100 more or less and how do you like to work today like what is a typical uh, and i for you a, a, a normal day for in work for piero lissoni do you do you get to still you know <laughs> sit at your kitchen table and and draw and and design or is it more management and and this kind of thing now how do you how do you still get uh, to work good question it's a little bit like a poisoned question <laughs> with a lot of poison inside but i try to uh, to to answer uh listen it will every day it, it is being something in between and i like to use this word in between for example every morning from nine to ten it's my coffee time. A whole hour. One hour, because uh, <laughs> in one hour I like to reading uh, newspapers and some informations, and uh, you know, in one hour I reading uh, the, some mails and the other things. But nobody, nobody from from the studio, nobody from my clients, they are free for disturb me. Nine to ten. This one is a is a your sacred hour. It, it's a super super super. Uh, protected hour and what kind of coffee i have to know of course espresso okay one Can. or two or double one, one. Uh, depends sometimes one espresso <laughs> and one cappuccino depend on the depend, depend of the situation well anyway this one is my personal private uh, hour you know nobody is able to disturb me and after that i'm start i'm starting studio i'm start with uh uh, teams uh, meetings and discussion and uh, you know we, we we work inside in a team i'm not alone and normally mm, i i spend a lot of time for the teamwork and some days you know it's a, it's a creative team works some days it's uh, is a management some days i need to control the economical situation and uh, contract and uh, and the different qualities of work. But in the end, you know, um, I save again another protected area. <laughs> a safe zone. Yes. In, in the late afternoon, I like to, to work alone. Hmm. I start, you know, to reading books and um, I start to study images. I start to draw uh, or on paper or on, on the iPad. I start to draw, but I draw alone. I don't like mm. to discuss with anybody. What do you draw? Do you just draw for work, or or? Mm, of, no, I draw for work. I'm I'm not I'm not an artist, you know. I'm quite scientific in that, and um, I like to use my time exactly in 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 which way I like to to do something. And I draw because when you draw, you fix in your mind some details. And doesn't matter if you design something or you draw something very well or some sketches is very rough. You know, it's like, a, ideally, it's like you use like a, a glue, you know. You, you fix the idea 
inside in, in, in this kind of special glued uh, brain. And that's it. Don't forget, uh, I'm inside in a whole different project. I design from everything, from graphics till building. Something I wanted to ask you, because that is something I think of as very unique to your studio, because you do, you really do everything. There's, you know, the graphics uh, and branding uh for the for the companies that you are the artistic director for um there's the furniture there's interiors there's architecture there's uh smaller objects maybe for alessi or or anything like that why is that why do you do that i'm sure that at some point you have an accountant who probably came to you and said like well architecture big architecture projects make more money why not just do that or why have a, a studio that is so varied uh, with such diversity? Uh, listen, this kind of diversity, it's inside in the nature first. And the second one, don't forget, I tell you before, we are humanistic. In the same time, we are scientists. In the same time, we are humanistic. In uh, in one of the most important architectural book wrote in the 15th century, Mr. Vitruvio says, to be architect, you need to be dot, dot, engineer, scientific mind, uh, worker, murer, uh, sculpture, painter, poet, uh, mathematical mind, you know, you look, you need to look the stars and to try to understand why they are there and not in somewhere else. Well, the humanistic approach, it means I don't like to follow the classical Anglo-Saxon idea to be specialized. I like to be open mind and, and I like to constantly change the qualities and the dimension of the scale. I like to design small objects, and I like to design big architecture pieces. And what is the smallest thing you've ever designed, speaking of scale? Oh, I designed a few years ago one watch collection for uh, Alessi. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine, you know, I'm well known all around the world about of my classical precise approach for time. It means I'm always late, always and they asked me to design watches. And when you design a watches, you change completely the idea of proportion. First, the proportion for the, t for the, for the time, the time. And the second one, you need to think about the proportion becomes a round of the millimetrical part of millimeter. It means it's a, it's a God proportion. It's not, it's not human. Well, that one, it was one of the most difficult projects in my life. And what is the biggest thing you've ever designed or you're going to design? Oh, listen, we just finished one project in uh, for one tower. It's uh, nearby 400 meters tall. I think it's uh, the most bigger project we did in, in our history in studio. And wh where is this? Where? Uh, this one, it's a secret. Uh, okay. Is oh, it a residential cool. tower? Is not. It's a uh -oh. multi-use tower. We put inside many different functions. We put inside uh, school, one hotel. We put inside offices. We put inside uh, a specialized hospital. We put inside uh, some suspended gardens. And we put inside residential parts. Before we return to Piero Lussoni, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Artemist. Artemist is the world's fastest growing online retail destination for exclusive Italian luxury design, decor, lighting, and gifts. Founded in 2015, Artemis celebrates and preserves authentic Italian craftsmanship by providing a global platform for more than 1,000 independent producers, designer makers, and artisans, and features thousands of exclusive products. The unparalleled online edit you find on Artemis 
includes the most extraordinary Italian makers for which the country is world-renowned. Design lovers and casual shoppers alike can search through more than 50,000 items, and you can take a closer look with multimedia content such as 360-degree views, videos, and detailed descriptions of each maker's history and specialized techniques. Listeners to The Grand Tourist can enjoy 10% off at Artemist with code THEGRANDTOURIST, that's one word. So visit Artemis.com for more information. That's A-R-T-E-M-E-S-T dot com. To Piero Lissoni, design is a way of thinking where the ego is nowhere to be found. There's only a kind of natural approach that's super obvious to him and captivating to everyone else. To be blunt, you're never going to hear him say a chair was inspired by a flower or a sofa was inspired by a sunset. Whatever he designs simply couldn't have come out in any other way. And it's hard to argue with his assessments. Is there a project that you've completed recently that you're, you're very proud of for whatever, like a particular aspect? Listen, I like to be very honest. I hate all, all of my projects. You hate them? Yeah, I hate them. <laughs> you know, I, Why do you hate them? Uh, because they are, for me, imperfect. And uh, all the time I try to postpone the moment when I'm sure the, the end of the project, you know. And doesn't matter if it's architecture or if it's a piece of design. I try to convince the old clients, you know, to use again a little bit time to f- fine-tuning some details again and again and again. And luckily, the clients, sometimes they say, okay, Piero, now basta. Game over. I never use, you know, I never use a project like a weapon. I, ne- I never use the project uh, for show myself and for showing uh, the special Piero Lissoni ego because this one is not in, in I, I think is not in, inside in my nature. And I'm very, very proud of that because uh, when I start to be a designer and when I start to be an architect and when I start to be um, graphic designer, I try to use correctly uh, the old material. I never use material um, in, in, in a wrong way. Uh, I never use material wrong because uh, I try to follow one idea of style. Um, in the same time, now everybody talk about of uh, um, responsibility and green attitude. I was green 30 years ago, not now. And it continues to be green, but I never talk about. How so? How were you green 30 years ago? Or how are you sustainable? How do you feel that? Uh, Think about, you know, um, it was possible 30 years ago to use only special wood, not from the forest. I ate to use wood from the forest. I don't know, like teak or like uh, mahogany or something like that, you know. I never used because it was for me totally unhuman, the idea to destroy forest, cutting incredible trees, to retransform the trees in a stupid chair. It was possible to use a correctly quantities and qualities of wood, wood for uh, the reforestations or wood for the plantations. Well, uh, that one, it was uh, a simple detail. If you think, you know, uh, 30 years ago, we start to change the, the quantity of chemical material for uh, finishing the surfaces. Uh, more or less, 30 years ago, uh, for finishing the surfaces, the whole industries, they was, technologically speaking, able to cover 
with more than uh, 300 grams uh, per square meter. Well, now, after 30 years, and we're fighting, i fighting every day with the factories, now we use 40, 45 grams with, the I don't know, the double qualities for protection and durability in, uh, in time. Well, that one, it was a very good battle. I'm very, 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 it was a war. But I'm very, very proud of that because in, we push the technologies to be completely different. And in the same time, we was responsible before to be responsible. Before we return to Piero Lissoni, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Frete. For more than 160 years, Frete has brought comfort to the homes of the world with masterfully crafted linens of unparalleled quality. More than 500 European royal families have slept beneath the sheets of Frete not to mention more than 1,500 luxury hotels around the world. The new spring-summer collection is inspired by the iconic scenes of the Italian summer. Bright saffron, radiant peach rose, as well as a classic navy blue. Call to mind the lemons of the Amalfi Coast, the coastlines of Portofino, and the deep blue seas of Sardinia. This summer, I'm sure you're venturing outdoors for your very own grand tour of rejuvenation and maybe even enjoying a podcast or two. Aside from yours truly, I might suggest another companion for your time under the sun, the new Lido Beach Capsule Collection from Frete. This stylish trio of must-haves contains a beach bag, towel, and cushion, and is made from a super soft terry cloth that comes in three colors, saffron, navy, my personal favorite, and slate gray. All three coordinate perfectly together for any grand location, the French Riviera, Miami Beach, or just poolside. Visit Frete at F-R-E-T-T-E dot com for more information. When Piero Lissoni took the creative reins at B&B Italia, it was something of an earthquake for the industry. While many Italian brands have a history of innovation and excellence, which has helped them to thrive for decades, B&B holds a special place in the hearts of those in design. It was always a bit radical and willing to take risks. My favorite bit of B&B Italia history is an early 1970s magazine advertisement for a puffy sofa called Le Bombole. In the ad, a shirtless female model in skin-tight pants and black high heels poses erotically on the piece. It's this ability to capture a moment while also pushing the industry forward in various ways, both technically and culturally, that make it a design fan favorite. As a journalist, I know when I would visit a preview during Design Week in Milan every April, I would always be wowed about what I saw in their showroom. But I figured I'd leave it up to Piero to explain the brand's position and design himself. How do you describe uh, B&B Italia to someone who doesn't know anything about the brand? You meet someone totally new. Listen, if you don't know B&B Italia, I try to describe B&B Italia. Think about the most important contemporary company of design. Uh, think about uh, the most important uh, actor on stage of design and uh, revolutionary technologies and uh, modernism. Because now, after uh, more than 50 years of history, now a lot of pieces from, from B&B, they become modern. It means, you know, they move out from the contemporary moment and they become modern. If you discuss about of the modernist design from the from Italy, you need to think about of uh, of the European 
um, modernist design you need to put inside uh, BNB. You know, BNB is one of the most important actor or actress, depend of, uh, of the point of view, on the stage of design worldwide. And uh, it's a combination of research, technologies, um, taste, um, elegances, and sometimes a little bit, it's, uh, it's what such a brave company, because sometimes they choose something very, very, very courageous. And yeah, tell me a little bit about this bravery. How, how is, uh, what, what is, is there a, something that BNB has done that you think was very brave for its time? Oh, think about of the communication. You know, they choose the best photographer in the world. They choose uh, some incredible uh, level of communication, the graphic attitude in which way they present themselves during the different fairs, in which way they prepare catalogs, in which way they talk. But last but not least, in which way they design pieces, you know, all of the different part of BNB, you know, they put inside something completely totally new. When they start to design the new wardrobes, they put inside a totally different approach, not to design again another classical wardrobe. When they design, I don't know, City with uh, Antonio Citerion, where they design Domus collection of uh, bookshelf, they put inside an enormous quantity of research, technologies, and last but not least, the style. One incredible level of control and style. When you first, uh, when you first joined the company, what, what ran through your mind? What, when you first started to, you know, in this new era of, of being a director there, what was your first thought? What, what was your first, um, what goes through your mind when you think about this brand? Listen, I was, uh, first I'm, I'm, I'm start like a designer for BNB more than four years ago. And I start to design a few pieces for them. Three years later, they asked me, what do you think about the possibility to start to work a little bit more integrated inside in, uh, in this BNB brain and creator because for me bnb is like a quite a complex creator well and we start you know it was quite natural to discuss about of some different aspect but it was more intellectual and not economical aspect and uh, and we start and don't forget you know bnb is like uh, is like in you know is like apple inside in a furniture system it's uh, such a successful company since many 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 years and become and to try to jump inside to design something like an art director believe is not easy first because you need to be very gentle sometimes sometimes you need to be a little bit more stronger um, you need to choose and you and you need to decide in the, in the end you know i become not completely public face of the whole operation but I need to use my face, and this is it was my first approach. When I'm when I'm start, I'm I'm starting you know, with a very good espresso. <laughs> and when when you were uh, years ago, when you were before you started working with B and B, was there one piece of B and B that you you said, ah, that's a really amazing piece? I, I'm jealous of this, uh, or I wish I had designed this piece. Is there is there one that you you particularly admired from from the history of the company? 
more or less all of them. But if I like the Diesi sofa, I'm, I'm after many, many years, more than 30 years, I'm very envy again, you know, because the Diesi is such incredible piece. But more or less all of them. All of the pieces, you know, they are uh, well done, well taught, you know, they put inside a lot of brain. Think about of one piece or collection like City, you know, when they design City, they change completely their whole atmosphere and they redesign completely their whole attitude to be sitting on the sofa. And we we talk a lot about um, research and innovation and with, with B&B. Is there something that the company has pioneered? Yes, if you if you think about of the old material inside in um, in industrial production for sofas, it's uh, is a polyurethane form. Well, a mm-hmm. BNB they they uh, they are the inventor of that, you know. Mm-hmm. They 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 change the world because they understand the possibility and the potentially qualities of the form, and uh, and now you know we design and we build thousand and thousand and thousand pieces every year with a new generation of foam, with a new generation of polyurethane. You know, for example, we put inside now since many years the capacity to, um, you know, to to use the recycling circle of material, polyurethane too. We put inside a new research for took away every uh, kind of uh, animal material inside in uh, in our uh, pieces, we try to save, you know, the the qualities, but at the same time, um, to use and to minimize the quantities of material fabrics. Talk about of BNB is not enough to be a queen of design, but you need to think about is a queen of industrialization and research. And if you had to, if you bought a new home, and you had to purchase one piece of BNB Italia. What would you What would you purchase? Uh, for sure, a diesis. Why? One diesis because uh, I tell you, it's uh, it's a great combination. It's uh, uh, super thin. It's super pure. It's in the same time. It's uh, gentle. It disappear inside in one space. In the same time, it's like a protagonist. You know, it's like a main actor. Well, diesis. Piero, if you were to give a piece of advice to a young designer today who wanted to design something for B&B Italia, what would you tell them? To try to stay in contact with factory like B&B, um, to be open-minded and very elastic because for many, many people, and when they design something, they are totally convinced, you know, one draw becomes a project and after that it's become a product it's not true you know you need to pass in through many different levels many prototypes many changement um, because sometimes you need to put inside uh, some detached idea around of proto- prototypes in between prototypes and industrialization uh, you need to put inside a lot of technicality and and you need to be curious for one reason and very elastic for another one. Now, unfortunately, the new, a lot of people from the large generation or the new generation, they grow with the idea, you know, we design something perfect and you need to make 
this perfection in product is not mm. true. This one is a completely wrong approach. It's more of a process. It's a process, you know. If you don't understand the real qualities for the process, it's impossible to do anything. And if there's one thing you want it, someone who wanted to, a, an interior designer or, or someone who is going to go and pi- buy something for their own home, what was the one thing, what would be the selling point? What, what would be the one thing you want them to understand of why they should purchase uh, a piece or multiple pieces from B&B Italia for their home? You know, it's um, without me, but it's a collection of masterpieces. <laughs> That's it. Took away the Piero Lissoni pieces, but the rest is a, it's a masterpieces collection. That is the reason why the people, they need to move inside in a B&B showroom or if you, if they like in uh, in, a, in a B&B internet uh, showroom. But in the same time, because B&B, it's a, one of the most important catalog in the world uh, with, uh, with the best contemporary design. Um. And my last question for you is, in such sort of uncertain times with so much change in the world, as a designer who is interacting with so many parts of the world, are you an optimistic person about the future or or pessimistic? Listen, making something like our director for one company like BNB or for some other other companies, making work like our director for uh, for myself. I need to be optimistic. You know, the best idea in my mind is uh, fantastico, Piero. What happened tomorrow morning? And that's it. You know, not you know, we was uh, or uh, I was uh, in a horrible moment yesterday. But what or today? But in my mind, every morning is hello, Piero. Welcome. It's a new day. Thank you to Piero Lissoni and to the entire team at BNB Italia for making this happen. Piero, let's have an espresso next time I'm in Milan, but not at 9 a.m. The editor of this episode is Stan Hall. Transcriptions are by Kara Johnson. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Grand Tourist. To keep this going, please follow me on Instagram at Dan Rubenstein to learn more. And don't forget to follow The Grand Tourist on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. And leave us a rating or comment. Every little bit helps. Till next time. Till next time.